Emily Vogeltans, and you are listening to episode one of a brand new podcast called The Grove Podcast. As you can tell, we are recording this live from The Grove, our monthly gathering for women of Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia. The Grove Podcast is designed to encourage women to be rooted in the unfailing Word of God, to flourish where they're planted, to walk in freedom with Jesus, and as a Grove, we offer our lives as shade to the people in our paths. In today's episode, you're going to hear from Shelley Giglio, who is the chief... who is the Chief Strategist and Director of Label Operations and Artist Management for Six Steps Records, and who since the very beginning in 2013 has been the lead visionary for The Grove. Shelley is also married to Pastor Louis Giglio. Interviewing, <laughs> interviewing Shelley is writer, speaker, and a member of our Grove prayer team. Would you welcome Hannah Brincher and Shelley Giglio. Hello, ladies of the Grove. Hello. And to everyone who is listening and tuning into our podcast for the first time. It's amazing. This is such a crazy feeling. It's just crazy to even say that. These people are crazy. I think that's the key to it all. <laughs> Y'all are crazy people, room. and I love you. Shelly, what are your feelings about tonight? Well, it's a special thing for us. Um, I was... Uh, trying to talk or we were talking a little bit in prayer before this we have um, a few women who pray together like about 150 maybe before anything happens in here and um, honestly it's one of the most favorite things we do and par part of the grove is just an overflow of what happens in a small space behind the stage um, because we really ask God to show up with huge power and to do things that no people on stages could ever do. And, and so tonight is like this wonder moment where um, we have all these very special things that happen in this room together. And some of us have been treasuring and enjoying these things for, for years now together. And it's been amazing to watch God grow our lives and to put layer upon layer of strength into us so that we can rise up and be the women that God intended us to be. And it's incredible. But also now to think that the whole world could have access to this through a little podcast that posts basically through a bunch of media outlets and everyone in the world can now listen and have their life built in the same way that we get to experience month to month. I just can't believe how good God is. So that's basically what I feel, which is amazing. It's amazing. I feel amazing. I feel awesome. We can clap for that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so I think that what a lot of us in this room are probably thinking and from knowing you and Louis and the church as a whole, you don't move forward until God has given you that go, that it's time to start this thing. And yeah. so Bring us into this moment. Like, why now start a podcast? Um, I don't honestly know the answer to that fully, but I will tell you what I feel, which is um, I feel like when we started The Grove, we felt very committed to building it. And I feel like sometimes in our lives, we're more anxious to export than we are to actually build. And I didn't want to be that person. I wanted God to build my life to put the word of God so deep in my heart and, and my love for him so rich 
that, um, that I would be committed to him and walk with him no matter what. And I feel like when we started, we, we all longed for that. But we longed for it in a way that was kind of um, just not accessible to all people. And I feel like God uh, let that be a treasure for us those days. And so I feel like now there's just permission from God to say, you know what, I have a world of people who really need to know what's happening here. Not from the standpoint of it's a great event and you guys love to come, which I love that you do, it's amazing. But I think more from the standpoint of there is a possibility that God can build and structure your life in such a way that you can withstand every storm, that you can walk through every pitfall, that every hardship that comes your way will be endurable because of the strength of God in your life. And I believe if he can do that in us in this room, that he can do that in people around the world. So now seems like a really good time. Why not let the whole world into what's happening here? I love it. I love that we can. I love it so much. Yeah, I admire that so much, that idea of, of building and waiting. Yeah. But what would you say to somebody who maybe is listening and is like discouraged by the building process, looking around thinking, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to look like. Right. It's taking longer than I thought. Yeah, I always kind of try to remind myself that, um, that when you build big buildings, you don't start with structures that go in the air. You start by digging a hole. And basically into that hole goes um, a bunch of concrete and a bunch of rebar, which is the metal that goes through concrete that holds concrete together. And it, then it goes into a, a structure mode where it builds all the steel down in a hole that's gonna support what's above the ground. And we all love what's above the ground. I mean, I take so many pictures of skylines. I love buildings. I think they're beautiful. I think Atlanta skyline is beautiful. I think every city in the world has a moment where it just shines. And we all love what is from the ground up. But not many of us are thinking about what's underneath supporting all of that. And I feel like our lives are only as beautiful as what is underneath them. And the truth of God's word has to be so supporting what's underneath us that when the building goes high, when the platform gets big, when our life gets successful or hard, we have a good foundation to be standing on. And it's not glorious. There is nothing beautiful about a big hole. I mean, it's just not pretty. We wanna skip all the hard stuff and we wanna go straight for the beautiful stuff. And the truth is that beautiful stuff comes from hard stuff. And until we can align those in our lives and realize that that's the way God builds us, then we will not be as beautiful as we're intended to be. I feel like we're just gonna clap after everything. I love it. <laughs> Let's just clap. Who wants to clap? Let's clap. Well, I do. So you said to me the other day, you don't normally like get to 50 and you're like, yeah, like let's plan a church, let's do this. But you explained this thing to me that I just thought was so inspiring. You said that rather than counting down the years, you can count up the years. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that for us a little well, bit? Well, I don't know what I said, so that's the first problem, but <laughs> that's true of most things in my life. Um, I think generally what I was trying to get at, I'm not sure, fill in the blanks if it's not accurate, is, um, that I think when you get to be 54, which I am proudly 54 years old, that, um, that's right, I feel like I'm crushing it-ish. Um, I think when you get to be 54, people start putting their life in a sort of a recline mode. Like, I'm in the recliner, 
I'm pretty settled. I am who I am. I'm not going to do a lot of changing at this point. I've sort of become what I am, good or bad. And now I just ride it out. I ride it out to the end, and at some point, God will call me home, and then I'll be done. And I don't want to live my life that way, and I hope there's a lot of women in this room that say no thank you to that. <laughs> um, I want to live in such a way that things get better and better as the years go on, and that God faithfully builds his kingdom in our lives and through our lives for all of our days. And I don't believe that it's possible that we can do that without loving the moment we're in. So some of it is that some of you are in your 50s and you're looking back at me going, I don't love where I am right now. I think you have to find the good in where you are right now so that God can continue to bring the good to your life. And some of us just don't plain flat don't appreciate where we are. And I'm not saying it's not hard or difficult or that you don't have a circumstance in your life that's overwhelming, but I do believe that you have to learn to look for what God is doing in your life at this very moment so that you can see the threat of God from past in your life, currently in your life, and the future of what he's gonna do with your life. And I think it just gets better and better and better to the very end. That's what I'm hoping for. Amen. In Jesus' name. Because <laughs> I think that's powerful, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Well, what I love about these Grove Nights is that really you look across the room, or now, I mean, across the world, and this is really just an invitation for women to step fully in. It's a way of saying to women in the church, you're here and you're seen and we want you here. So why do you think this invitation to women matters so much in the church today? Well, honestly, um, I think when we were planting the Grove, um, we had just planted the church. So the church is nine years old or something like that. We have a rough start, so nobody knows exactly how old we are. Um, some of you were around for that. It was weird. Anyway, what was true in our lives at that point is that I, I was, I'm not your typical women's pastor person. Right? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Yeah, amen. I don't know who that is, but it's definitely not me. Um, and so I was, but I was looking at the church at large, you know, we have an opportunity just because of our life to travel all over the world and to see the big C church. And it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever behold is to travel to somewhere like South Africa or to Japan and see the vibrant church of God that he said he would build, that he's faithfully building alive. And it's crazy and humbling and beautiful. And so we have that opportunity, but as I looked at women in the church, what I saw was a generation of people who didn't feel like they belonged in the church and who actually had to go outside of the church to find significant places to contribute in their life. And it broke my heart because God designed us as a body of people and he designed every one of us to have a place in that body. And without your contribution, our body does not work right. And so I said to God, God, if you'll help me, and if you'll lead me, and if you'll teach me what I need to know to actually be decent at leading your women, I will try to do it faithfully. And I feel like God has just opened the door. I mean, look around at what God is doing among women in the church. It's unbelievable what's happening. It's the kingdom of God is being built in our lives and now through our lives in the church. And I think there's no greater honor than for us to be called to that and then to faithfully serve where he's called us. And so 
that's part of the the birthing I think of this entire thing it's beautiful well we have started such a great conversation that I hate to take a break and when we come back there is so much more that I want to ask you about but we are just going to take a quick minute and we'll be right back Hey, it's Shelly Giglio, and I wanted to just interrupt our conversation just for one moment because I want you to know about something that we care greatly about. It's Christmas Grove. It is one of our most favorite times of year. Obviously, Christmas is everyone's favorite time of year, but around here, we have the Christmas Grove on December 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and it is incredible to be a part of. It's in Atlanta, and I know many of you are thinking right now, well, I don't even live in Atlanta, but you too could come and be a part of this special evenings. So just know that you are invited to one of the nights, either December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We'll have incredible surprises there. We never tell people what's coming so that everyone feels surprised when they walk in the room, and it's just a special time to be together. So we'll see you soon at the Christmas Grove. This is the Grove Podcast. If you're just now joining us for this episode, today we are hearing from Shelley Giglio, interviewed by Hannah Brincher and recorded live at the Grove at Passion City Church. I want to start with a word that I think can be simple yet complicated at the same time. It's this word, obedience. Now, it's not the trendiest word in the world, I think most of us would say, but I know that you lead with obedience every single day. And so what does simple obedience mean to you? Okay, so they didn't give me the questions. Y'all figured that out by now, right? Um, You guys know a guy named Eugene Peterson? Do you know who that is? I'm Ann. He, uh, he's a biblical scholar, actually, in Greek and Latin, and he wrote a little thing called The Message, and it's not a translation of the Bible. Everyone's quick to say that. If you're a Christian, you cannot call The Message a translation, so just if you didn't know that tonight, please know that. I'm just kidding, but it kind of, there's like police and things. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, did I say it right? I'm not sure. Anyway. He literally was studying scripture one day and he felt like if I just write this down in simple words that people can truly understand that it could be life-changing for people and like what David sung about those red letters could come off that page and could actually transform your life. And so he wrote this thing called The Message and he started out with just one book of the Bible and he ended up writing the entire Bible that way. And I often read it because I think it says so beautifully and so poetically what God is trying to speak to our lives and hearts. And he, he wrote this book one time, as why I mentioned Eugene Peterson, not to mention the message but only, but called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A long, think about those words, a long obedience in the same direction actually living our life in the same direction for the entirety of our life. And that it's not just obedience, like one time I did that and that was amazing, but it's a continued obedience. It's actually every day waking up and saying to God, yes to whatever you say to me. I've already established the answer, so no matter what you say today, the answer is yes for me. 
that's a long obedience in the same direction. And I just long, I don't do it perfectly, far from perfectly. There's a lot of people in this room that can tell you how imperfectly I do this. But my desire, my heart's desire is to honestly apply obedience to my everyday life by just saying yes to God before the questions ever get asked. And that way I just live in the flow of what he wants to do in and through my life. And so to just encourage you, I'm just slightly ahead of most of you in the room, but I would just really encourage you to think about tomorrow how to wake up with the answer before the questions get asked so that you've already said yes to God. I am I'm available to you, I am yours, and however you lead me in this day today, I am a yes person to you. And when you start living that way, you become addicted to the, um, the obedience, to just saying, I will do whatever you want me to do, and I will go wherever you send me, and that's my heart. And so hopefully um, we'll, we'll learn for however long my life is, whether it worked or not, but that's the goal for sure. I don't know what it says about me that a long obedience in the same direction is my favorite book. So that's amazing. Everyone should check it out. It's such a great read. It is a great read. It will teach you a lot. But I've I found in my own faith that cultivating that obedience comes from kind of just having a relationship with God, being willing to step into relationship, which I think sometimes people feel intimidated by that thought. And so speaking in terms of practicality, what is one small step that every single one of us could take in this room to deepen our relationship with God when we walk out of here? Okay, I've shared this one before, but I'm going to say it again because it really did change my life. Um, Who has an iPhone or a smartphone in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely have one and you're listening on it right now. I just started about a year and a half ago actually closing all my apps at night. You know how you close them, just you swipe up or whatever the 10 does, down or up or over or whatever it does, and you just close everything out. And the only thing that I would leave open on my iPhone each night was scripture. And you know how when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is grab your phone? What is wrong with us, right? (laughs) But I would do it, but then the only thing that would be open on my phone when I opened my phone was scripture. And I would have it open to a passage of scripture that I was gonna read for the day. And so I changed my own life by closing my applications. (laughs) How simple and ridiculous is that? But I learned to listen first to God before I listen to every other environment. Every social media person who has a comment on something, every single news outlet that wants to tell you all the bad news, I was letting all that stuff dominate my day. And the reason was because I just started with it. And once you start with it, you just stay with it all day. And you're just in a rhythm of hearing everyone else's words over your life. And I decided it would be more important for me to hear God's word over my life. And when I started that, it changed something in me. And it's so simple, but it just reoriented my entire day around what's actually true of me and not so much about what everyone's opinion is of me. And um, it was powerful in my life, and so I just share it free of charge, no big deal. If you don't wanna do it, it's not, no, nothing for me, but I think it will change you if you do. It's pretty special. Yeah, I think especially a lot of people in the room would probably agree that sometimes social media can drain us more than it fills us up. And I know me personally, 
I've definitely wrestled with some comparison when it comes to getting on the phone and scrolling, especially if it's the first thing in the morning. So what would you say to the person who is just drowning in comparison right now? Well, what's the quote? Comparison is the thief of joy. So how many of you are comparing yourselves and are miserable? Pretty much all of us that are comparing ourselves. You'll never measure up. There's not one person that you'll be as good as. You just can't. In that moment, you can't. But if you understand who God says you are and you understand what he thinks about you and the way that he adores you in spite of you, and that sets the tone for your entire life and day, there's nothing anyone else can say that matters at that point. Your creator, the one who made you, spoke over your life. How much more do you need? Oh, well, I think so-and-so. I'm like, I don't care. God said this. So I think for us, you know, it's really a priority. It has to become a priority for us to say that before we start looking at everyone else's life and, and especially, I mean, Instagram, how beautiful does everyone's life look? It's so amazing. Y'all go so many places. It feels like you're on vacation every day. I don't understand how you afford such nice things. Your house is awesome. I mean, just go down the list, right? And we feel like all of a sudden we are inferior or we don't measure up. Some of you are not on social media. If you're not, could you just raise your hand? Because we want to applaud. Way to go. We are not as holy as you. But it is a big thing that pushes us to the comparison point. And I think comparison is the thief of joy. So if you want to live a miserable life, then just compare all day long. But if you want to have a joy-filled, Jesus-filled heart, and you want to spread that love to the people around you, then I would just encourage you to listen to a different voice. And you know what? Social media is good. And I will say this about it. (laughs) I'm on my platform now. This is not good. Social media can be used for as good as you want to make it. So if you have something good to say, speak up on social media. If you have negative and ho-hum all the time, we will not follow you. (laughs) Amen. I would like to say I don't mean it, but I do mean it. I mean it. Um, I spend a lot of time on social media telling other people they're incredible. And you could too. I spent a lot of time on social media actually saying things that God said are true of your life. And you could too. So social media is not bad. The way we use social media can be devastating. But you could change that tonight. I feel like we can all go home. (laughs) Well, I want to switch gears a little bit. And I want to shift into talking about us women as leaders and you have written in the past that the best leaders are great followers so how can we flourish as followers yeah i think you know um god has designed order for our lives and this isn't a super popular thing to talk about as women either but um we're designed in life to be um, a support system we're really good at it And God created things in us that bring support in ways that most men could never, ever do. And we spend our life striving sometimes against that. I don't want to be that. I want to be this instead. And I feel like sometimes it just is us pushing up against a wall that God's saying, but I made you to be like this. I actually need you to be like this. And the world works best when you are like this. And I feel like 
um, as a leader, because I am a leader, I want to be a leader, I do lead. That makes me a leader, I suppose. But I think as a leader, I only do well when I can follow. And I've been in so many circumstances in my life where I'm not in charge. How many of you live in a life you are not in charge of? I have a boss. I have a husband. Anyone have one of those? <laughs> a few of y'all. I'm not really in charge all the time. I don't control my circumstances. I don't actually control my environments all the time. I can't make it all the ways I would wish it would be in all moments. So I have to learn to actually lead my own life in an environment where I'm having to follow someone else's. But it does not stop us from leading ourselves. And so many of us say, well, I'm not in charge, so there's just nothing I can do about it. I can't change this environment. I can't make this better or different. Yes, you can. <laughs> but you can do it in a place that you're not in charge. And you can do it by starting by leading your own life. And I had to teach myself that discipline of how to actually flourish my own life in the midst of circumstances that weren't always ideal to me. And when I started doing that, I actually started leading not other people yet, but myself. And once I learned to lead myself by following God and other people, then I began to be able to lead other people. And it's crazy that it would work that way, but I really believe that the best leaders that I know actually have been great followers in life. They've figured out how to lead themselves in the midst of environments where they weren't in charge. And that actually brought flourishing to their life. And now that they're in leadership and they are in charge of people, then they actually have a lot underneath what they're trying to do. And so I just think it's important that we learn to lead that way. Awesome. Well, and I feel like you talk a lot about, um, I've, I've heard you say about if we could slow our words, then we could increase our faith. And I think especially in this world today, a lot of times it's like there's this pressure to increase our influence instead of our faith. And so how do you show up daily to increase your faith and what does that look like when you say slowing your words? Man, like you've done some research. <laughs> I, I said ready. that. <laughs> um, well, God says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it's the only really, the one thing we really absolutely have to have if we want to please God. So somewhere along the way in my life, I figured out that having faith had to be the most important thing to me. Now, I don't know if faith comes naturally to, to all people, um, where we just, I think there are people that faith comes more naturally than to others. I actually had to, to work at trusting God. I had to put pressure, you know, working at sometimes it's just applying pressure in a certain area. <laughs> And eventually that area sort of comes into the right balance in your life. And I needed my faith to, to grow. I needed, a, I needed to know that there was a rock beneath my feet that was never going to change. And no matter what, I was standing on that rock. And to know that, I had to know God. And knowing God for me was, was a discipline. I had to get in his word. I had to read and understand his word. I had to ask the Holy Spirit to help me know who God is. And there are a lot of people in this room and, and there might be listening that, that you don't even have a relationship with God yet. You don't know yet that you're in a relationship with God. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to understand that God made us, that he loves us, and that he is dying for a relationship with us. 
And it's not religion. It's not us striving to get to God. It's actually God reaching for us. And he did that through Jesus Christ. And when he did, he made a way for us to have communion with God. And I love that he did that, but it also puts pressure on my life to say, do you wanna be in a relationship with me or not? Because if you do, then you actually have to apply pressure in that area and create momentum. I mean, I could be married to Louie all day long. We've been married 30 whatever years to, I know, by the way. <laughs> that was a close one. Um, but if I didn't show up and like talk to him, we would, it would be interesting, right? Yeah, it would be weird. <laughs> some of you might have some of that, I don't know. But the reason we have a relationship is because we commune together. We have life together. We share things together. We love experiences together. We eat great food. I mean, the reason I love him so much is because I spend time with him. And I think sometimes as Christians, we say we're Christ followers, we love God. But God's like, where are you? Where, where is the relationship? You don't ever show up. I never hear from you. We never talk about anything. And I think it's hard for us to develop true love for God if we don't even know who God is. So I think all of us in the room could take one step tonight toward I want to know God. I think if you say to God, I want to know you, I'm going to show up with you every day so that I can learn who your character is and I can understand more of who you are and I can live my life in a communion with you, then you'll be so surprised how much God meets you on the other side of that. He's waiting, I think, to have a relationship with us, but it takes us applying some pressure in that area. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the thing that keeps us from that relationship is that we don't fully know the voice of God. It gets distorted. And sometimes we hear these lies and we think that it's God. But I always like liken lies to like the weeds that are in the garden. And the first time I ever planted a garden and then I realized those were not plants, they were weeds. And I had never... But they were bigger than the plants? But they were bigger, but I let yes. them grow because I thought that they were pretty and I thought that they were harmless. That's but amazing. turns out that the weeds take all the life away from the plants that could flourish. And so talking on this idea of lies, what do you feel like is the biggest lie that you've had to overcome? Just to stay in the shallow side of the pool. Wow. Um, I, I think all of us overcome at some level, you're not good enough for what you're called to do. Anyone feel that? Your life is outmatching you. Yeah, it's a pretty common feeling. I think the truth is, is that God's equipped you in every way for what you're standing in, the good and the bad, because he's prepared for us a table, and he's done it actually in the presence of our enemy, and he's invited us to it. And so I think he's made a way for our lives in far more ways than what we access, and um, it's easier to listen to ourselves. By the way, we lie to ourselves all the time. You know that, right? Like your heart is not completely pure and it'll tell you all kinds of craziness. And when you listen to yourself at times and it's not rooted in the word of God, you'll hear yourself tell yourself lies. It doesn't take other people to trip us up. We do it ourselves all the time. And so I think the way to combat that, right, is to know the truth. The truth is what sets us free. 
And so we have to know the truth. We have to hide that stuff in our heart and we have to go back to it over and over and over again and repeat to ourselves what's actually true in our lives so that we can become the people that God's intended us to be. And, and I think squashing the lies, the only way you can squash the lies in your life is to know the truth. And the only way you're gonna know the truth is to read what God wrote down for you. He took a lot of care to put this on paper so that you would know and understand his heart and that you would have a truth and something to be stable in your life. And that is the word of God. And you can get it on your phone. You can get it in a hundred places, but you need to be in it so that you can live in a way that is flourishing. So that's what I believe. And I try to practice it. You know, it doesn't mean I don't hear lies and it doesn't mean that I don't trip over the lies. It means that I always try to go back to the truth and realign my life with what's actually true instead. Well, and I feel like you have done such a great job of doing that for other people. Like I know personally in my life that you've uprooted lies that I've been believing. And so for the women who came here or the women that are listening, you know, that are sitting beside someone or have a best friend, like how would you challenge us to do this together? Um, Part of it is like, um, I have a couple of friends that I do soaps with. Do you guys know what a soap is? Anybody ever heard of that? Eight people have? Okay, great. Sure, there was millions more online. Anyway, um, basically you take a chapter of scripture every day, you just do it with one or two friends, and you read the passage of scripture, you pick out a verse that means a lot to you, and you write the verse down to your friend, and usually in text form every day, and then you tell your friend why it was meaningful to you and what application you're making for your life. And then usually at the end of it, you just pray, Lord, or Jesus, speak to me in this, or lead me in this. Um, And every day those texts go back and forth. And two things happen. One, you're, you're telling each other truth every day. So if, if I'm living in a lie, I know at 7.30 in the morning every day, even if I didn't open the truth, that truth is coming to my phone in the form of a text message. And it's like, you know what? This is what's happening and what's really true in your life today. And that moment is so um, good for us to be in relationship with other people sharing something that's actually true instead of spending all of our time talking about our opinions. And, um, And so it's a simple way to interact with somebody. If you do more than three or four people, it gets to be a lot. There's a lot of text messages going around. Group text, who loves it? Who? Um, Silence. Um, So you you can have too many people doing that, but if you have two or three friends doing it, it's it's life-changing because when you're not strong, your friend is. And when you feel weak and broken, somebody's sending you encouragement. And when you actually are growing and God is strengthening your life, you're encouraging somebody else. And there is just so much power in that. And I know like for you, Hannah, you know, we laugh about mentorship and say, what would I possibly mentor somebody in? I don't know anything, which is partially true. None of us do. And yet we do know so much. God has taught us and and freed us from so many things that we ought to be sharing in our life. There's always somebody beside you or behind you in the journey that could benefit from your wisdom. I don't care if you're 20, there's a 13-year-old. There are people in your life that need to know that God is faithful and that he will come through for you. And you have to speak up. 
You can't just say, well, God's enough for me and I'm okay because he saved me. Well, thank goodness he did. But he saved you not just from something, but to something. And you need to get on with the to something because we need the women to rise up and become everything that God intends us to be. And some of that is just by sharing life with each other and saying to a person like Hannah, who is slightly behind me, I'm not gonna say how many years, but quite a few, hey, you know what? God is gonna be faithful to you in this area and this is what he's taught me in my life and these are some verses that you can go back and look at where you can believe what's true and not actually what you're believing right now. And it's a privilege to get to do that and I pray that all of us will, all of us will. Yeah, and I, I was talking with a bunch of women on social media just a few days ago, and I, I was asking what is like the biggest thing that you're struggling with right now, and I felt like unanimously across the board it was this question of well, how do I find my people, you know? And I think you're somebody who has your people, but you also leave room at the table for other people, and so. What would you say to someone who's like, well, I don't feel like I have people and I want to have people, but community's hard. Community is hard. Can we just say that out loud? But it's so good. Like, it's worth the fight. And I have friends, I mean, I have friends I've been friends with since I was a little kid. And I'm still walking with them. And it's different over the years and they don't live in the same place as me. And I have a different kind of relationship with them than I would with somebody who lives around the corner from me. But I still have a relationship with those people because I intend to have a relationship with those people. And I want to have it the rest of my life. And it's not because it's easy, and it's not because it's convenient, and it's not because they call me all the time. Stop waiting for somebody to call you. Call them. Ask them, hey, what are you doing? What's happening in your life? How can I pray for you or encourage you? What can I do for you today? Is there some way I could serve you today? Is there something you need? That right there changes the world because everyone is waiting for somebody else to reach for them when the truth is God's saying to you, go on. It's your turn, step up. And I just, I think I try to be super intentional and relationally so that I stay in friendships. And it doesn't mean it's easy, but, it, but it's worth it. And the friends that I have that I've had for the longest are such treasures to me. And I just think we have to intend our lives toward that end or it will never just arrive there. You, you don't just end up places that are beautiful. You, you strive for beauty. You work in your life toward the things that you wanna have. If you wanna have lasting, long friendships, Go for it and know that you'll have to work toward that end. But when you do, it's so beautiful to experience life with people over the long haul and to stand in ups and downs and to stand through really challenging times and to believe God for their life is one of the greatest treasures I have in my life. So I encourage you, dig deep, girls, dig deep. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Well, I'm just sad that I didn't get to have a notebook up here taking notes the whole time, but I'm definitely going to go back and listen to all of it. So this has been such a wonderful conversation. Can we all just thank Shelly for the wisdom? Next time on the Grove podcast, be sure to listen in as we hear from Catherine Wolf of Hope Heals. Here's a taste of what's to come. And I'm so tired. So tired of hearing how it's only the cool, really skinny, really wealthy people on a field in Vermont who are living their best life. 
<laughs> that is not true at all. We are trying to instill in our boys that the good and the hard coexist beautifully. This is so important, people. Good and hard are not mutually exclusive ideas. They are beautifully coexisting in the kingdom way of living. If today's podcast has encouraged you and helped lift your eyes to Jesus, which we hope it has, then help us get the word out by subscribing to The Grove Podcast on Apple or Spotify and by writing a review. The more people who subscribe and review the podcast, the higher it will appear in the podcast rankings. So more people have the opportunity to listen in. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening to The Grove Podcast. Yeah.